0: Welcome to another Byte Side. I am Seamus Byrne joining you again and with me is of course Nick Healy. How are you? I'm very well thank you and look a really big welcome to my special
1: guest uh the baby huntsman that's directly opposite my face on the wall over the top of the
0: laptop. And what have you named this one? Because I know when you were in the Inner West, you had a good buddy called Lemmy, um the huntsman who lived <laughs> in your bathroom. They're always called Lemmy.
1: Oh. <laughs> Every single huntsman is called Lemmy.
0: <laughs> so it's Lemmy. <laughs> it, it makes it easier. Oh,
1: he came with you. He followed. That's so nice. <laughs> this is Lemmy Jr. Yeah. Lemju. I don't know. I like
0: him. Actually, my parents have a naming convention for uh, the bud, uh, the canaries uh, that my dad will get from time to time, and of course they they don't always last all that long. So through my children's lifetime, uh, we are now at what they now call Richard the <laughs> Fourth. That's actually pretty good. That's a great name for a canary as well. So it was originally called uh, Dicky, um, and yeah, so now it is Richard the Fourth. Is what we're up to. That's so good. <laughs> But, look, it isn't the 4th anymore. In fact, Cinco de Mayo be with you, Nick. Does that work? (laughs) Sure. Sure. I really, really, really did plan on just ignoring the whole May the 4th uh, thing. I mean, look, massive fan of Star Wars, big thing in our household, you know, but just um, I, I know myself and some friends, we used to do the whole May the 4th be with you thing before it became a thing. So, like, I guess I'm everything you like, I liked five years ago. I guess it was that kind of a thing. Um, but seeing that Taika Waititi has been announced to be making a Star Wars movie and that Leslie Headland, the maker Russian Doll, is going to do a Star Wars TV show for Disney Plus, I'm like, I am loving the space that they're heading to when it comes to giving really cool creative people some uh, access to the Star Wars universe. And, look, it has been a long
1: time since I've caught up with Clone Wars, but what people have been saying on uh, social media suggests that that ended amazingly. Oh, so it seems fantastic. like it's a really good little bit of time if you're a Star Wars fan. I mean, not if you've been hoping for a KOTOR reboot or anything like that, but otherwise, yeah, really good. One day. One day the KOTOR reboot will come.
0: And, look. Uh, look, it will. It has to. It yeah. just has to. I-, I think you're right. Doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, I think it will. I think at some point, like that whole old Empire type, you know, realm. I mean, I think the, you know, the um, the Old Republic, rather, is, you know, that's still a whole thing um, when it comes to the MMO. I think that is still active if people want to go and jump into that, I think. Um, not that I've looked at a long time. I enjoyed it when I checked <laughs> it out back in the day. Um, that was a long time ago. Yeah. That did
1: have, I reckon, one of the best first 10 levels solo experience of any of those MMOs. Yes,
0: absolutely. I mean, I remember, yeah, playing through a scenario where it's like, I'm going to find, like, the hilt of the original lightsaber. Like, this is amazing story. You know, oh, it was so, so where good. Where is Scoundrel was just I want my ship back. And it was ten levels of you getting your ship back, and it was great. Yeah, cool. And that's it. I just I literally though I remember hitting that point where you go, what What am I meant to do now? Because I just finished oh. this really cool storyline, oh. and I don't know what to <laughs> no. <I> do next.
1: <laughs> just got to run around in this overcrowded area while people
0: jump up and down.
1: Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> yes. Like any MMO ever.
0: Yeah. Um, but look, yeah, I think it's funny because you know, of course, there's plenty of of uh, negativity still around. You Rise of Skywalker. Um, you can see, you know, the very mixed reactions to that all over the internet now that it is available on Disney+. Plus. Um, but it does. It feels like, you know, I remember at the time, I think I even said on this show that I'm like, I wasn't sure if I loved it or was just relieved it was over. And it's like, I th- I think the big thing from here really is that it's like escaping that whole idea of that series of nine films defining the Star Wars universe, that's kind of over. And now we really do get to just watch cool creative people get the chance, you know, obviously, thankfully, you know, if, if Lucasfilm and Disney give them that permission to start just letting other people do cool things with what is a great expanded universe concept. So that's that's what's exciting from here. But here's the deal. It's got to be smaller stakes, smaller stakes, bigger
1: universe now. That's really, what's important. That is it a really has good has to be. Yeah. I absolutely. can't do another, we're saving the universe, we're doing this, we're doing that. You know, I thought solo worked really well for that because it felt very small stakes in the grander scheme of things. It expanded out the areas we knew. Told us some stories. I really enjoyed it. No, a lot of people didn't. That's fine. Rogue One was undoubtedly amazing, but the stakes were huge, even though we knew how it ended. Yeah. Now just give me some great stories. Yeah. Give me
0: Cad Bane in his own spin-off movie. 100%. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm psyched for what happens next. And, of course, now we just, you know, hopefully, hopefully people get the chance to actually produce these things uh, when they're allowed to leave their homes. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Though... This is a good segue because, of course, you know one way to get around the coronavirus? Go and shoot a movie in space. Fantastic. <laughs> this amazing... In space. Breaking No news. one can hear you sneeze. And look, if... <laughs> I mean, it's true, really. You know, no one can hear you yell action. Um, <coughs> is that what makes it hard to make movies? <laughs> I don't know. Um, this is, yeah, amazing new news uh, at time of recording. Um, and it just, it feels so right And it makes so much sense that SpaceX, NASA, and Tom Cruise are teaming up to shoot what will hopefully be the first feature film in space. Uh, There, of course, you know, there's no actual studio attached yet. It is just the early days of Tom Cruise going, Yeah, I'm going to shoot a movie in space with SpaceX's uh, help. And I actually kind of like, I bring it on. I want to see Tom Cruise flying around in actual space.
1: If anyone can do it, it's going to be him. I mean, it just seems to fit that whole kind of niche he has carved for himself as the man who should be too old for this shit, but apparently isn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, it does sound like it, it's funny that the article on Slash Film that I sort of spotted it on makes the point of saying this this isn't a Mission Impossible uh, story, and it's like, why not yet? Yeah, <laughs> that is a great point. It's like, well, there's probably no script yet, but once there is. I feel like maybe the studio involved with Mission Impossible will be going, yes, we want it to be part of the franchise. Bring that on. You could have Simon Pegg back in the kind of the comm seat back here on Earth, making stuff happen on the computers. You could have all sorts. I'm kind of into it. Or or the other option
1: is make him the villain and remake Moonraker. Oh. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Do it. Uh, for anyone too young to to know what moonraker <laughs> is. Thank you and uh thank you for your service and God bless <laughs> you you're better off not knowing. Yeah. Um and look I love this quote.
0: Here's and- the deal though. Oh yeah yeah you go. Oh give me the quote first cuz oh, I'm yeah. about to Oh cuz mm-hmm. I was just going to jump to the whole James Cameron bit. So yeah, let's let's kind oh, of plow no, in. No no. Up- oh the yeah. James Cameron thing? So There's this amazing bit that kind of comes out in this report that apparently um, about 20 years ago, James Cameron and Tom Cruise were working together on a concept to shoot a movie in space. And so the quote from James Cameron uh, from a couple of years ago is that he had a contract with Russia to basically buy two seats on a Soyuz, go to the International Space Uh Station... They were originally talking about doing like an awesome high-end 3D documentary. And then he sort of went, hang on, why don't I just take Tom to space and we'll just like shoot a cool movie up on the uh up on the space station. And James Cameron was like, Oh, we need to kind of get someone to train us as engineers. And of course, Tom Cruise is like, You're no problem, I'll train to I'll train to be a space engineer. What <laughs> 20 years ago? So they the deal was in 2000 and then obviously it just faded off you know and i mean look a million movies grand ideas they never quite come to life so part of the you know part of that is attached to this as well right that cool idea but boy it will be tricky to execute
1: my God, I kind of wish this had happened because maybe we never would have had to have got Avatar. Maybe he would have got it out of his system. Yeah. And we never would have had to do Avatar and this unquenchable thirst he's got for
0: continuing the story that no one cared about. (laughs) The story that no one cared about that made all of the money, you mean? Oh, did it? Did it? Yes. Are you serious? (laughs) It is like the all-time biggest movie at the box office. Oh.
1: What is? We don't deserve Tom Cruise in space. We really don't. We just don't. Look, here's the other thing, though, is of course Elon Musk is involved, as you said. Yeah. Do we trust him to get Tom Cruise in space without killing him?
0: <laughs> Look, I trust him to get him there. Um, I also, yeah, do, do we trust him to not have something go wrong with the production um, and then, of course, blame everybody else for the (laughs) factor that went wrong and that it was definitely Tom Cruise's fault and that Tom Cruise is terrible to work with and really, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, Because boy, can that guy
1: talk. Oh, boy, he can talk. And I just really hope that when he does send Cruise into space, there's like a nice little pocket for an iPod or something to keep Tom Cruise calm.
0: (laughs) Ah, I mean, right, (laughs) they will sell the spacesuits. I mean, that will make half the money is... Tom Cruise walking down the the gangway to get into the ship to go to space. Of course, they'll shoot it in slow motion. They'll release it Ugh. early, Ugh. and then they will sell those uh, jumpsuits. Uh, you know, it will be like you know Top Gun Three flight suits because Top Gun Two is already in the can, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I thought it was out. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. No. Like I, I think mm, it might. Okay. I think it might be in the list of movies that's delayed because of all of this Corona business. Um, <laughs> All of this corona business. Right, we're getting so casual. <laughs> I know, I, I can't be bothered. You're oh, all it's coming I... out 26th of June. 26th of June. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, so, that's, so it's not coming out. I mean, that's basically, it's going to be delayed until you know later in the year. Is the 100%. Answer. Oh, my God. Look, while we're talking about
1: Elon Musk, though, yeah. can we have to acknowledge this unhinged earnings call and Twitter rant that he went on. Yeah, yeah. And it scares me quite a lot. So, I mean, the earnings calls one thing, but, you know, Elon Musk deciding he's the face of kill the lockdown and get everyone back to work is just weird, weird, weird. Um, And for people who haven't caught up on this, there's a lot of stories around it. You won't be able to have a hard time. But essentially on an actual call he referred to Uh, the isolation, the quarantine that America is having in some areas as forcibly imprisoning people in their own homes against all their constitutional rights. Uh, It's fascist, according to um, Elon. Uh, What the F was one of the ones he did, and apparently people need to be given back their goddamn freedom. And that went about as well as you would think it would go, in that sensible people thought it was dangerous conversation and um, not something that a a responsible person would say, and a whole bunch of Americans thought that he was their new hero. And Twitter went about the way you'd expect it to go (laughs) as well. And then speaking of Twitter, he then decided to tweet out things along those lines, and then just out of nowhere, Tesla's stock price is too high, in my opinion. Is Elon Musk
0: tweeting that? And this is Elon Musk, the person who has been warned by the Securities Exchange in America, um, you know the commission that runs everything related to doing dodgy things about stock prices, uh, that he needs to be very careful about saying things on Twitter that might influence stock prices. Um, if there's ever something as directly literal as, oh, our stock price is too high. Um, I mean, I guess it's not some kind of suggestion of what he knows that means it <laughs> but you're like man that is some dodgy crap and yeah everything else about that is just it, it is i mean it feels like <laughs> elon musk you know i have admired the guy at different times in history because it's like there's you know he is one of those kind of oh, this is it isn't it this is actually it I mean, Howard Hughes is one of those classic people we always look back on as early 20th century, amazing industrialist, you know, did incredible things, kind of built empires of business and then went crazy. It's like, is that just how it works? That, you know, that incredibly smart, genius level people who can kind of really champion great new things. And, you know, the fact that everything across like Tesla, right through it all, like the solar roofing stuff, I think is Incredible that will eventually come to life sort of thanks to, you know, the stuff that they're doing uh, within sort of the Tesla company and sort of the extension companies around it. Like there's so many cool things. I remember at one point, you know, he open sourced the battery technology that underpins Tesla because he wanted to try to get to a point where, you know, people wouldn't fight over the battery tech that that could be a standard platform for all cars, which would be so much better. Than having all these kind of competing standards for how batteries in cars would work. You know, all these kinds of things we get really, really progressive, great attitudes to trying to drive these industries forward. And then the the frequency of Crazy Town has kind of gotten more and more in terms of the way he'll kind of say this stuff on Twitter these days. It really does seem like uh, it certainly seems like the isolation isn't agreeing with Elon very much. <laughs> Here's how I would unpack this. We have an unfortunate belief at the moment that
1: technocrats are going to save us. And we also loosely tied into that is the idea that anyone very good at technology must be a billionaire as well. So we do have this weird idea that billionaires are the heroes who are here to save us, not that they're just people who are worried about their bottom line constantly. And Elon Musk is this weird... You know, the Venn diagram is a circle here. We somehow, and I'm saying we as in a loose collation of society, believe that Elon Musk is the apotheosis of the tech billionaire here to save us. And so it does mean that when he's just a bit weird, it takes on new dimensions. Yeah. Now, I, like, I think he's a bit dangerous and he got his wish. He lost $13 billion over a tweet in terms of stock price because oh. it plummeted after he said that he thought it was shouldn't be worth as much as it was. If I was an investor, I'd be tearing my hair out. Yeah. And then again, I'd probably own a Cybertruck. So I don't know. I assume that anyone with hair wouldn't want to own a Cybertruck. It seems very much like a bald man's car. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where we go next. Um, hopefully,
0: he shuts up for another couple of months and we can just all get some sleep. Yeah. Like, yeah, wouldn't it be great if it really, like, and I don't know, there's so many kind of crazy Musk fans out there. Um, I'm not calling you crazy. If you are a Musk fan, I'm saying, like, crazy is in the level to which you love him and what he says. Um, but I think, like, right, like America's president, like this whole thing where you go, could you just get on with doing good work? Like, and maybe that's that's just my personal kind of preference to going instead of saying a lot of big stuff, I prefer <laughs> to try to demonstrate my value by doing good work and letting it speak for itself or certainly never trying to say I'm going to do the cool things until I've done them. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's like just a bit of quiet productivity from these uh, people would be nice for a while um, while we yeah wait for them to to actually deliver awesome next generation things, you know? I mean, meanwhile, the Tesla car is still floating around in space cuz you're like that was kind of cool. Cool marketing stunt and it's sort yeah. of fascinating that it's out there being a a, a satellite in our uh, solar system and you know, people say it's now no car has ever traveled as far as that car. Um but you're like give us some give us more fun marketing stunts and a little less crazy town uh spewing rant, rants on on the internet and in earnings calls. <laughs> Look, my last comment on this, because otherwise this is going to turn into a <laughs> thing.
1: He proved his ability to lend genuine value to the world during the Thai student cave crisis. And other than that, he is great at marketing his products and that's all we should ever consider him to be. Yes, yes. Good Do point. you want to tell me, about the Magic Keyboard, so that we can move on,
0: I can take a sip of water, and we can all relax. <laughs> all right, I will. So, yes, uh, Apple sent me out the uh, the new Magic Keyboard for iPad Pro, um, which, you know, so there was the new iPad Pro that just came out uh, this past mm-hmm. week. I think it's compatible with last year's model as well, though, because um, structurally I think they're the same chassis. Um, but this is kind of the most serious laptop-style keyboard That iPad uh, has ever had. And so, I mean, there have been, I guess, there have been accessories and different kinds of companies have released um, add ons of different kinds. Um, But I've just spent the last couple of days starting to play with the new, um, yeah, Magic Keyboard is the name for iPad, because of course it's Apple. They love to give things magical names. Um, But it is actually (laughs) a really good keyboard and Almost instantly having attached it to the iPad Pro, I have absolutely started to sort of have that real sensation of going, wait, why do I still have a laptop compared to having Ah. this? Because it is so comfortable and it really has, I think, emphasized that idea that when I have tried to do the whole, I'm going to use an iPad for a week, I'm going to see if I could just live with this instead... I hadn't really overemphasized sort of the keyboard experience as part of the, you know, what isn't quite perfect about it. And suddenly using a good keyboard and a trackpad, which is the first time they've added a trackpad, even though it's a touchscreen, it absolutely makes a difference when suddenly that just that like, that innate experience of going, yeah, of course I'm just going to, flick my finger across the trackpad to do this bit because that's what I always do because that's what I'm used to doing. Um, but, yeah, the experience with the trackpad is fantastic. Um, the clever thing is instead of using a little arrow on the screen as, you know, the normal cursor and just brings up like a little, just like a little round circle that's just sort of highlighting the screen slightly. And as you sort of move across, if, you know, when you get to a point on the screen which is like an an app button or any kind of button in an app or different things, it just sort of like, it just sticks to it. So it just sort of like snaps to the thing that you've scrolled towards. Um, And it means it just works really nicely. But um, it's absolutely created that feeling now of, yeah, why? why is this still not just, yeah, the road forward from here? And I'm genuinely in the middle of kind of thinking about that question, but... As a keyboard, it is so solid. And one of the really other clever parts, um, before I just sort of dig into some of this other stuff about it, is it's kind of created. And it's funny, right? I feel like I'm almost doing show and tell. I'm looking at it while I'm trying to talk through describing <laughs> parts of it. I'm like, you can't see what I'm talking about. Um, but it has this sort of cantilevered design now. So instead of like, you know, every other one of these keyboards, um, has tried to do, you know, it's like you set up in that rest slot, if like you know. it's origami or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and so that sort of stability has often been a little bit weird, especially you know if you're trying to like sit on a train and work with those, like it just like it snaps in man- magnetically, all that stuff. It's fine, but this just feels so much more sturdy, and definitely when you sort of take the keyboard itself out of the case, uh, like when sorry out of the box when you open it, it's much heavier than a than other kinds of keyboards in this style. But yeah, this really clever cantilevered um, design so that it's like the screen is kind of hovering above the keyboard a little bit. And it does mean it feels like it's in more of a natural laptop kind of a position than you would get with the other style. And nicely, I've also found that that cantilevering also means, and this is really important. I'm not going to pretend this is just actually a trivial throwaway, but... I found watching TV in bed last night with this keyboard, it means you can kind of tip it forward towards you much better. Uh. Whereas those other other ones kind of mean it's you know, pointing towards the roof a little bit, you know. <laughs> and so it's, it really is that idea where you're going, oh, it's like the TV is pointing at me while I'm watching the, the videos instead of pointing half at the roof. Um and I'm like, that is actually something that makes a difference to the day-to-day experience of these things. Um, but, yes, I will you know, throw to you for any thoughts or questions, um, but I'm really, yeah, I'm my literally sort of 24-hour experience with it is I'm really now going to retest that whole idea of what is missing because I'm not actually sure anymore. The design is exquisite, so I'm just having a look at it now. It's actually beautiful,
1: um, and I... You know, I don't mind Apple design. I've never been the fan that many people are, but this is actually lovely, and I love what they've done with it. It just looks solid and smart. You and I have talked about this a few times, this idea that, yes, you can just use your tablet, you can just do this. Even with the keyboard, can it replace a laptop for you with everything you need to do genuinely?
0: Yeah, see, so much of what I do now is run through... um you know like day-to-day work routine writing all that stuff basically runs through a browser these days so much of it you know like for most of the people i work with yeah. It's, yeah. it's google docs um it is i'd say the hardest thing um is literally the podcasting stuff right like adobe audition that's probably the one sort of thing um that i'm like i don't think i mean i haven't double checked but i don't think adobe has released a full version of audition for ipad yet um i'm sure it's yeah i'm sure it's down the track um yeah. but you know one thing i haven't tested out yet is you know if i plug my um roadcaster pro into the usb slot in the ipad does it interface comfortably um because it might just yeah you know, it might just plug and play it might work nicely like that it might not so it's almost more that sort of I.O. side of things, right? Like, do the inputs and outputs to it work for the kinds of creative things I need to do? But for the writing as just my day-to-day job of writing and working with other people um, on writing-related projects, I'm kind of looking across the apps that I run and I'm like, are you superhuman for email? That has a great iPad app. Um, Zoom, of course, works fine on you know iPads and all that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, Disc Discord runs really well, uh, you know. Messages, um, all my podcasting apps, uh, you know, browsers. It's like it doesn't feel like, and, you know, all the uh, office Microsoft type apps work great on iPad these days. Um, so it's more than the question. You know, the new files kind of system on there means you can now do a lot more of that sort of traditional file structure view on an iPad. So. Yeah, it's like apart from really apart from audition, I'm like, there's pretty much nothing else that I need on a weekly basis. So, what's the keyboard like then? What's the
1: travel like? Oh, we're going to go deep dive here for a second. What's yeah. the travel like? What's the size? Uh, I know they're full size, but what's it like? Do you miss not having a numpad? Give me the word.
0: Yeah. So, and well, I mean, this is actually interesting, isn't it? Because as on. When I'm sitting at a PC, and we've debated, well, discussed it on the show before, I hate a lot. I hate the 10-key <laughs> section of a keyboard, so I don't need it. I do not miss it in any way, shape, or form, even on a normal desktop. So I don't miss that. Really interesting thing that actually I've noticed most apps do support um, is that because it doesn't have the function row of keys, but um, a lot of apps actually support hitting you know, like the... I guess it's the tilde key up just beside the one. A -hmm. lot of apps actually support, if you just tap that, it treats it as an escape. So it sort of, as a keyboard shortcut, it does kind of, most things seem to actually be respecting that as an escape Mm. button, to kind of give you that instant back on the keyboard instead of having to jump up and touch something on the screen to kind of go back. Um, but, you know, if I do Command-Tab, um, I can switch between apps in the same way that I do on a normal Mac desktop. So that's same as, like, Alt-Tab. Um, all those kinds of things, like, all those keyboard shortcuts do work exactly the way you would expect them to from from a normal desktop um the keyboard travel definitely is like it is a proper um like scissor style sort of keyboard because you know apple uh, today they also announced that there's a new macbook pro 13 inch which replaces the old one that officially ends the era of the butterfly keyboard that uh was the bane of apple 's existence when it came to repair requests and all sorts of issues where right. you know they sort of said that the percentages were quite low overall, but it seemed like certainly the the vocal minority of of rabid Apple users really found that that sort of past few years of the keyboard design has been quite painful and regularly would result in like one key you know i like the you note know, I probably had to go in there four or five times to get keyboards cleaned or replaced because a key would stick or something was wrong and it really seemed like it was related to the mechanism that they moved to for a while there. So that generation is now officially over. And then, yeah, this particular keyboard is very much kind of the same feel as the new generation of keyboards on all the MacBook designs as well. So, like, it doesn't feel like... And this is probably it, isn't it? The compromise feeling of almost every... Version of a keyboard for an iPad that I've ever used over the years, both third-party and Apple. This is the one that almost immediately under your hands stops feeling like it's a compromised keyboard, and that's actually, I think, part of why suddenly it's like, oh, I could just do this. <laughs> Final question then, and
1: this is, I think, a yes or a no question. If I'm if I'm honest, yep, is it worth
0: five hundred bucks? yes with an asterisk <laughs> what's the asterisk so i think yeah if if you want to make that commitment then absolutely you know i think because i you know i really feel like there's probably plenty of, like compared to spending i think it costs like a couple hundred bucks anyway to get the like so, the Magic Keyboard um, is yeah, like about that much money. Uh, I'm just trying to compare to like if you were buying the other keyboards. So Magic Keyboard 4.99, um, the Folio's Smart Folio 300. 300. I think. I'm like, yeah, I would absolutely encourage someone to go for this over the Smart Folio. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like if you're gonna plonk down that kind of money for a, a keyboard for your iPad, get the good one. Easy. Noted. <laughs> Noted. Look, moving
1: on to yep. something I've had to replace at the moment. You're talking about replacing a laptop with this yeah. system and that it may be viable. I have been really missing the gym. Of all the things that's happened under ISO and quarantine or whatever we are calling it, lockdown, it, not being able to get in the gym has broken up my routine. Yeah. It's really challenged me a lot. And I'm running. But I don't actually enjoy running, not the way you do. I actually don't get any real kind of, like I acknowledge it as exercise, but it gives me no actual enjoyment
0: from doing it. I think we're very opposite Um, in that sense where I'm like, I'm standing in a gym going, why would I I could just be going somewhere (laughs) right now? (laughs) No. Um, And I did do a bike ride
1: today, a really nice one. I've discovered that if I go a particular way, I actually go past the zoo in Dubbo and occasionally get to see water buffalo, uh, which are just like up near the fence. It's weird. It's cute. That's it's cool. nice. Have you but named again, them? Just... Are they all named Lemmy? No. <laughs> that's for the zoo to do. I'm sure they actually have names. <laughs> I bet they do. Um, so that's all fine. Yep. What I have done is try and find some combo of apps and equipment that can get me through. And that's been really hard. I've mm. not actually had a lot of joy from that. But um, just a couple of things I've been trying out now and it all comes down to what you want to do, but I've been working with an app that's all about working you through a suspension band workout or a TRX workout. Right. And I've found it both incredibly effective and fundamentally flawed. Mm. And what it does is basically you set the time and it says, oh, do you want to do chest, back, whatever, and then it just completely builds a little quick workout for you based on that time you've done but with no preview to what's happening. So at some point it'll say, get ready for, and you're like, I've never heard of that move in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah, right. What are you asking me to do? And you've got five seconds and then 30 seconds of that actual move. And then by the time you've actually worked out or adjusted the bands or done whatever you need to do, it's time to do the next thing. Yeah. So it is a fundamentally flawed execution. And the more apps I try, the more I find that that there is still, these are meant to be an accessory to a gym workout or a trainer. These things do not seem to stand alone and replace everything. And I'm finding it super frustrating. I've actually spent a bit of money. I've got the shed set up as like I've got a full-size boxing bag in there on a stand and a few other bits and pieces, and that's been great. But it's kind of just struck me that I don't think the style of exercise I enjoy, will ever be replaced by technology.
0: Yeah, look, that's a good point. I mean, right, we've been hearing the two big things I keep hearing from America is like about Peloton, which is like the, mm. you know, the shared cycling the five experience. five grand bike or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, um, and it has like a video thing on it so you can actually do, you know, live classes remotely through your Pel- Peloton, all that fanciness. And what's that mirror called? Um it's like this workout What's mirror. What's the mirror? I don't know the workout
1: mirror. So what?
0: it's um, oh, the, the name escapes me, but it, it it's literally like a you know a a full length mirror that you put on your wall, but then actually it's a it's also a screen, and it will kind of walk you through walk workouts, um, and you can have sort of a, oh my god, we would totally have to find that thing. But um, I yeah. think it's just called Mirror. I think <laughs> it's probably it. Right? I think it's called Mirror. Yep. They probably got. <laughs> M-R- M-I-R-R dot O-R or something like that. Who knows?
1: I am just having a look at it.
0: I have not seen this before. I'm intrigued. Mm. I might have watched some videos on this, but, but I'm yeah. really intrigued. And, like, what? what's curious for me is, you know, what is it about going into the gym and kind of walking through that process? Like, is it that you just, you kind of need the physicality of all the different kinds of instruments to sort of, make it that comfortable circuit for you or is it like is it something else about these things yeah if you did this this thing that you were just talking about was it trx or what was it called yeah trx yeah so if you did that like 50 times would you have kind of then worked out the routine and be enjoying it or is it still there's something missing from that
1: i feel like there's still something missing and, and look it is undeniably psychological as well i do miss that kind of environment of yeah. the gym, the experience of the gym, massively so. But I just it's striking me that when I have used a PT occasionally, they're there. They're physically looking at you. They're yeah. showing you what you should do. They're correcting you based on them being able to walk around and say, mm, no, not that. Oh no, wait, leg a little bit further back, a little bit further back. Yeah. You don't get that even unless they are amazing. I don't see how you could get that from a video PT
0: without someone holding a camera walking around you while you do stuff. Yeah. And look, actually, um, I was on James Valentine a few weeks ago and we were talking about some of these sort of classes that were moving to Zoom and things. And a personal trainer actually rang up and and talked about the fact that you know like yeah if they're you know students get the position like that positioning the camera is so critical that it's like someone might get down to do push-ups and it's like i can't see them anymore to tell them (laughs) if they're doing it right or wrong (laughs) Um, but they did make an interesting point that they also found that some they had new clients because of course some people are kind of quite self-conscious about working out in front of other people and suddenly were like oh my god uh, the opportunity to have a a training session live with somebody but over Zoom so I can just do it in my home. For those kinds of people, it was a new opportunity for them to participate in something that they wouldn't otherwise do. Um, So it was sort of interesting that... And again, it's funny because, of course, that's not a technology solution to having exercise. That is still very much about I I need to connect with a human to to get the most out of this experience. So, you know, as much as tech is interfacing it, it's still it still fits in with what you're talking about, which is that someone just trying to sort of go, here's this automated, slightly robotic solution to your problem. It's like, that's not actually the thing that you need. Well, shout out to the
1: MVP of my workout at the moment, which is my five-year-old Fitbit, which I refuse to replace <laughs> and update because it's actually keeping me going.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I I just <laughs> saw an ad on something that, that Fitbit has also like done some, you know, upgrade for free to their your premium service for a few months for people. Um, I didn't know that they did a subscription service these days, but it sounds like, you know, just one of those, yet another company who's gone, all right, if you're not getting the full version of Fitbit software experience, then like we're giving it to you while you're stuck at home. Um, So another one of those sort of positives that's been going on. And
1: that is good. And my gym's done that too. Um, I, I belong to one of the chain gyms. They've got an app that normally you pay for. Oh, well, great. They've opened that up for people as well and stopped charging me. So, so the, not yeah, only good. have they given me
0: something for free, they're not charging me my weekly amount. Yeah, that's really good. And look, That two, is really The good. two other exercise things I wanted to just quickly shout out is the ring fit, um, which apparently mm. you can't buy for Love Nor Money right now because no. um, everybody who's got one has, of course, started using the hell out of it which has made other people go, oh, my God, I should get one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I've heard people were having a really positive experience with that. So that's for Nintendo Switch. Um, But, yeah, some people saying that it's got actually really good routines built into that. Um, And then my kids have actually really gotten into playing Just Dance 2020, also on Switch. And... um, That's kind of been really awesome too because we try to send them out for a run if the weather's good um, after school and if it's not good weather, it's kind of they're very much kind of going, great, let's just do some Just Dance. Um, They're like really getting into it and really loving doing it, which is totally awesome. That is great. Yeah. All
1: right, let's let's wrap this thing
0: up. All right, let's do it. Um, Quick shout out. I think... I know I'm kind of throwing us in the deep end here, but we've been quietly working behind the scenes to get VR up and and working at both my place and your place. Um, But I'm thinking maybe next week we dive into a bit of a VR special, talk through our experiences and, you know, what we love and what we're not, all that jazz. What do you reckon?
1: Let's do it. I'll meet you in the Matrix this time next week (gasps) and we'll record
0: from in there. We should totally try to do that if we can. (laughs) Well, I'll block out a week and a half to make that work. Yeah. Um, But, Nick, where can, until then, yeah, where can people find all your cool things going on? Track
1: me down on Twitter. It is at dr underscore NIC, Dr Nick. But be warned, I've got this week off from work, so all I'm doing is having a bit of a political rant every now and then. <laughs> you might want to come back after after Monday when I'm back in the actual seat of my job.
0: <laughs> um, I'm at Seamus on Twitter, and you can also... That's S-E-A-M-U-S, if you have rarely encountered that name before. <laughs> um, I still get it. Um, at Biteside, of course... Also slash BiteSide on Facebook and at the Byteside on Instagram and ask at Biteside.com. You can email us and tell us what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more about. Um, are you hoping Tom Cruise makes his space movie? Um, are you buying a magic keyboard? Um, do you love or hate Elon Musk? And did you order the Cybertruck? Have you yeah, have you pre-ordered a Cybertruck? Or are you just missing your gym? I'm wishing it was open again, just like Nick. Um, So, yes, shout out to us, whether via social or via email. But other than that, we will catch you again next week.